Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. This is episode 76. I am your host, Justin Lamb. I feel like there's probably some reverb on my voice because I am recording this in a old warehouse. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's technically true. It is in a hotel that used to be an old warehouse, but they definitely kept a lot of the uh, motif is that the right word of the warehouse? And so there's some concrete floors and there's some concrete ceilings and there's a lot of audio bounce, any bounce, 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 bounce. And I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I sure can. Um, what a fucking crazy weekend. Um, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 21st, and I plan on releasing this immediately after this. So you'll probably hear it Wednesday, but, uh, this this episode, I have a series of episodes I'm going to release this week because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I went to Motor City Comic Con, uh, met Henry Winkler, and hung out with a, a bunch of crazy people and, and good times, and uh, ended up hanging out with Pauly Shore all day on Sunday, and then ended that evening uh, hanging out with the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I don't know. I'm literally still processing it because what the fuck. Um, but so fucking cool. Such a great weekend. Um, so many stories. And uh, fuck it. I'm going to make like a movie out of that fucking story because it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. Uh, so coming up though this week, I, I got a Comic-Con episode that's going to come out later um, where I'm just going to share some of the Q&A with some of the celebrity guests like Nev Campbell. Um probably throw some office stuff in there. I know that's not the nineties, but come on guys, who doesn't watch the office? And, uh, then I want to tell you guys about how I ended up hanging out with Polly Shore and the Foo Fighters. Cause what the fuck? <laughs> like that sentence just, uh, makes my mind go, what? But that is coming up. Uh, this week is, is, or to this episode, I'm going to stick with my original plan and I am in, the Quad Cities. I am in Illinois, and I am going to be drinking an Illinois beer and also talking about Pulp Fiction, and I'll tell you why uh, when we get to that part of the episode. Part of the episode? Or part of the episode? Doesn't matter. We're going to get to some point in the episode <laughs> where I'll tell you why Pulp Fiction is what we're talking about this week. All right, and uh, keep listening, and uh, oh, God, other more good news. You guys, I'm sorry this intro is long because I got so much good news and crazy stories. Um, as you know, I will be at Camp Anarchy, and we got approval for our press pass, too. So we will be hopefully uh, backstage and interviewing people and getting some good pictures, and it uh, should be a fucking blast. So I will keep you updated with that as well. And that's all I got. So let's take a, a quick little music break. And then we'll talk about some beer. Okay. Just like anyone. He's just like anybody. Just like anyone. He's just like Frank. All right. As I said, this week we are in Illinois. And we are... In the Quad Cities and part of the Quad Cities, Rock Island, Rock Island, Illinois. And that's where you will find Bent River Brewing Company. They also have a location right here in Moline, where I am. And today we're going to be drinking their Jalapeno Pepper Ale. It's a wheat ale with jalapenos. You all know how I love my fucking pepper in my beer. 
So I'm pretty excited about this. And I did have it on draft at the brewery too. And come to find out they sold six packs of it. So uh, fucking bonus. Uh, there's It says over 150 pounds of fire roasted jalapeno peppers added to each batch of our jalapeno pepper ale. This medium-bodied ale is well-balanced, capturing the fruitness of the pepper up front and ending with a bold, spicy finish. Whoop-de-frickin'-do, man. Whoop-de-frickin'-do. No, but seriously, it's delicious. Oh, that's cute. I didn't notice that. The I'm so confused by this now. The front cover, or like the picture, drawing, illustration, painting, it's artwork, is a jalapeno behind a ship's wheel so he's like leading the ship but it looks like (laughs) the ship might be on fire i don't know what's happening here it's a very strange drawing um and i'll post obviously i'll post this on the instagram for this episode but we'll give it a shot we'll give it a drink a try a try drink a try drink shot is that a word doesn't matter and I like you can smell the jalapenos. Mmm. Japalinos. Super delicious. Is that? I felt like that was racist. I'm sorry. That's not my intention with whatever just came out of my mouth. But it is my intention with what's going into my mouth. You feel me? Oh. All right. I'm going to drink this. Oh, see, I, you know, I don't know if it's because it's a weed ale. We've talked about this before, and there it is. Definitely, uh, the pepper is always in the back of your throat. Like, after you swallow, you can feel it back there. But maybe it's because it's a weed ale, and there's every other flavor is pretty subtle, if at all. It fills the rest of your mouth, too. So that's pretty That's pretty delicious. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, they have a bunch of beers, though. I'm not really sure what their distribution is. So, you know, go to their website. Check out the brewery, uh, Bent River Brewing, in Rock Island, Illinois. Um, go check them out and see if you can get them near you. Because they do have some good beers. And in the tap room, um, if you're in town, definitely go there. Because I had some good... Brown is the new black. I think it's a brown ale. Um, they have a... Barrel aged, I can't think of the name of it, uh, but they're Day Trotter Pale Ale. They had they had a bunch of really great beers, so check them out. I believe the manager at the Moline location is Joe Johnson. So ask for Joe. Say Joe, heard about you on the podcast, bro. Loving this, loving this beer. Tell him Justin sent you. He'll say, "Who's Justin?" That's, I guarantee that's how that's going to go. So, yeah, that's going to be it. I'm going to keep drinking this, but I want to get into something a little more pulpy. This week's main event is Pulp Fiction. So Pulp Fiction was chosen. I'm going to adjust my mic. Oh, hello. Keep looking down so much. Pulp Fiction was chosen because I ran across a fun fact this morning. That's right. 
that Pulp Fiction is 25 years old today. Pulp Fiction was released May 21st in 1994 at the Cannes Film Festival. It was released uh, across the U.S. on October 14th, so five months later. Budget of $8.5 million, and then made $214 million at the box office. Who's this Quentin Tarantino guy? Uh, This was hot off the tail of uh, Reservoir Dogs, too, if I'm not mistaken. Written directed by Quentin Tarantino. Another great movie that kind of jumps between characters and and storylines and intertwines them all. Uh, It's just done really well. And there's some movies like that. I know I talked about this uh, specific movie when we did the podcast for Go, which also does that where you all the different characters and then how they all come together in the end. Uh, great stuff. Uh, the cast is unfucking real. Uh, like I said, written directed by Quentin Tarantino. So right there, you know, you're going to get a great, unusual movie. Um, unusual, not bad, but like, you know, not like the normal shit you're typically going to find. And it's got John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Timothy Roth or Tim Roth. Is it Timothy? We'll say Tim Roth, uh, Amanda Plummer, Ving Rhames, um, Rosanna Arquette, Alexis Arquette has a cameo, Christopher Walken, Bruce Willis, um, got so many fucking people. Steve Buscemi has a great cameo. I think he's uh, Buddy Holly when they go to the restaurant, the like 50 style restaurant. So there's oh, there's some good people in it. And John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, Vince and Jules. Obviously, uh, a great little combo there. And I didn't know they were in the first scene, too. So if you guys remember, the movie starts out with uh, Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer in the restaurant talking about some really, like, racist shit, actually. (laughs) Like, Tim Roth's... I never really... I mean, I I guess I was a desensitized child when I listened to this, because... Or when I first watched this, I had to have been, like, 12 years old. Uh, But his little monologue in the beginning is, is a lot of fucking uh, racist slurs in it. Not that they're like good people, the people they're like about to rob a restaurant, but I read a little trivia and now I want to go back and watch it. Uh, apparently you can, you can see John Travolta go to the bathroom in that first scene and you can hear Samuel L. Jackson talking in the background, uh, which of course is accurate because that's how it all you know, ends up in the end there when they're all in the restaurant together. So that's funny. That's a fun little fact you can look for next time you watch it. Uh, but then they go to that apartment and this is the first time that you hear the the famous uh, monologue from Jules Winfield. And he does, it's Ezekiel shit. Why didn't I write this down? The verse, I think it's Ezekiel 1725. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking, which I know is like your guys' favorite shit for me to do. But that's when, (laughs) that's a great scene. So the drive over there, they're talking about uh, uh, John Travolta's character, Vince, Vincent Vega, just got back from Amsterdam and they're driving over to this apartment and they're talking about fast food. And that's where we find out that a quarter pounder with cheese is called a Royale with cheese, which is fantastic. Um, you know, because the metric system. And then they get to that apartment 
And Samuel L. Jackson's performance in that scene is unfucking real. So he comes in, he's all fucking chipper, and everyone's obviously shitting their pants because they know what's going to happen. But he's like asking him about his fucking burger. He's like, oh, where's it from? Oh, Big Kahuna Burger. Oh, that's that fucking Hawaiian joint, blah, blah. And then he tries his burger, and he's like, oh, Vince, you got to try his burger. He's like, I'm all right. And uh, <laughs> such a good scene. And then, like, the fucking tide changes. And he shoots the fucking guy in the couch. And, you know, does the whole say what one more motherfucker diam or some shit. And then he does his speech. And it's Ezekiel. I just pulled it up. Ezekiel 25, 17. So this speech is amazing. However, it is incorrect. Yeah, I said it. It's fucking wrong, bro. Uh, the actual, well, the quote that he says let me see let me pull let me pull it up right now let me pull gonna pull it up right now gonna pull it up right now gonna pull it up right now pulling up the quote to say i'm gonna try to say it all badass and i'm gonna fuck it up the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men did you get that good sorry blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children and i will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon you. And then, you know, bang, 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 bang. Gunfire uh, from both ends. Oh, that's a sweet shot, too, because as they're firing the guns, like the screen lights up to an orange fade on their each character, on Vince and on Jules. Oh, it's fucking good. Quentin Tarantino, man, he knows how to do it. However... That's not the verse at all. If you actually look it up, it's, uh, I will carry out great vengeance on them and punish them in my wrath. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I take vengeance on them. Uh, that's the only part of that that's from that. And that even worded it differently. It's a creative liberty to take, but I mean, who's questioning that shit? If Quentin Tarantino writes it and Samuel L. Jackson says it. Uh, that's about as good as the Bible at this point. On top of fun things that they say in the movie, the word fuck is used 265 times. Uh, I took the liberty of counting. Just kidding, that didn't happen, because why the fuck would I do that? Fuck, 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 fuck. But it's a true story. Um, hello. The Honda Civic that Butch drives, Butch is Bruce Willis's character, and the Honda Civic that he drives is the exact same Honda Civic that Pam Greer drives in Jackie Brown. And then I think in one of the Kill Bills, it's parked in a parking lot in the background of a scene. Because that car has made it through a lot of stuff. And on the same note of cars, there's some fun car facts in this movie. Not car facts like, get your car facts. I'm the car fox. Get your car fax. That sort of thing. Not that. I mean, it might be that. Oh my God, was this movie funded by Carfax? Oh shit. 
Anywho, John Travolta's, uh, well, Vince Vega's 1964 Chevelle Malibu convertible that he drives in that fun little super campy 50s, 60s montage when he's going to meet Mia Wallace and with Thurman's character and it's like clearly a screen in front of him and they're shooting the car from behind like it's very uh, Hitchcock psycho-esque um, how it's shot. That car uh, was actually Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. You're not, you're, you guys know Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that was actually Quentin Tarantino's car. Unfortunately, during the filming of this, during production, it was stolen. So it makes me want to, uh, I wonder if there's other shots that were supposed to be done with him in that car that just eh, didn't fucking work out. Yeah, so the car was stolen and that was that. And then this is a crazy story. Um, 19 years later, in 2013, uh, police arrested some kids that were stripping this beautiful fucking car for parts. And come to find out, some guy bought this car recently and was like completely redid it, like renovated it. And the current owner had no idea that he had the car uh, from the film that had been stolen 19 years earlier crazy story crazy 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 you know it's funny i feel like quentin tarantino is the kind of guy that would set up a robbery of that car so he could have that story 20 years later is that just me i feel that's not too far-fetched right he's crazy man he's crazy good times um there's a great scene towards the beginning where uh uma thurman's character mia Mia Wallace. She's sitting on the couch smoking a cigarette and she's wearing Vince's jacket and all of a sudden realizes that he's got what she believes to be cocaine in his jacket pocket. Uh, spoiler alert, it's heroin and apparently like super fucking strong heroin. So she snorts a line and immediately like is fucking down for the count. So they go to his dealer's place and everyone's freaking out. And this is where uh, Rosanna Arquette and Eric Stoltz are. And they're all going fucking nuts because he just brought this OD girl and he tells them who they are and blah, blah, blah. And so they have to drive this adrenaline shot into her heart, which is like a great scene. Um, I found out through crazy detective work. Guys, I had to open a news article on my phone to find this out. But that scene was shot uh, in reverse. So it was like, you know, one of those trick needles to where, like a, like one of those retractable knives, as you lift it up, the blade comes out of it. So uh, the plunger and the needle were against her chest, and then he pulls it up, and the needle kind of falls out. So it looks in reverse, how they play it back, like he's plunging the needle into her. I mean, it all happens super quick anyway, so you wouldn't notice too much, but... Yeah, crazy shit. Um, the wonderful wallet in the end. Which wallet's yours? It's the one that says bad motherfucker on it. Great stuff. I had a bad motherfucker wallet at one point. It was a chain wallet. It was a black leather chain wallet that buttoned closed and it said bad motherfucker on it. Who didn't? Am I right? Uh, that was actually Quentin Tarantino's wallet, which is perfect and not surprising at all. I'm still drinking jalapeno beer, and I love it. 
Mm. Uh, Maria de Medeiros, which I'm sure I fucked up, but Bruce Wills is like a girlfriend. Is that right? I believe that's right. Um, she has a line. Any time of day is a good time for pie. What is that? What is the fuck is that accent I was trying to do? Um, that's her line though. Any time of day is a good day, a time for pie. And that's actually taken from True Romance, which is another Quentin Tarantino film, which I need to rewatch. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. And I question if I've ever seen that movie in its entirety. And I know that makes a lot of people go, dude, what the fuck? But I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be honest with you guys for once in my life. Um, so there's some, there's this thing that happens with this movie that drove me fucking nuts. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh my God. And then I had another flashback, but I'll get into that. Um, so you don't see Marcellus Wallace, Ving Rhames' character, too much like from the front. In the background, when they go to the bar, like he's in the back talking to Bruce Willis, and you can see him like in the background, but there's no close-up of his face for a little while. It's usually just the back of his head. And on the back of his head, and I mean, because obviously Quentin Tarantino chose to shoot him from the back and the back of his head. But he has this big fucking band-aid across the back of his head. And it's never addressed. It's never a thing. Bastard. So I guess the band-aid is actually just covering up uh, a scar that Ving Rhames has on the back of his head. And when I read that, I didn't think about it. But then when I wrote it down, I went, oh, wait a second. I remember that scar because I remember... Watching Michigan, uh, Michigan, you know, Michigan Impossible. <laughs> that's the movie about winters in Michigan. Michigan Impossible. Can you survive six months of snowfall? Oh, fuck me. Um, we were watching Mission Impossible and I was like, the fuck's on the back of Ving Rhames' neck? And I, so, yeah, some sort of scar or something, I guess. So that's good to know. Uh, if I seem distracted, I have to apologize. Pulp Fiction is playing in the background as I speak. And Bruce Willis is, uh, trying to figure some shit out. It's good. Um, oh yeah, this is where he's in the bathroom. Vince is in the bathroom taking a shit. This great scene, guys. Great scene. Great, great scene. It reminds me of, uh, Less Than Jake album because uh, Howie J. Reynolds in the beginning is telling the funny story where he says and thankfully Al the pig was taking a shit with the door wide open not thankfully but you get what I'm saying no you don't but anywho um, oh that is a big gun Watch out, Bruce Willis. That's a big fucking gun. And another fun fact about that Ezekiel quote, that Bible quote. Oh, sorry, bro. You're about to get killed. Um, sorry, guys, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have kept this on in the background because I'm just watching it while I'm talking. Uh, the Ezekiel verse that... Samuel Jackson 
uses. And I'm sad that I didn't know this because I'm a Marvel guy. I like the, I like the MCU. I'm a fan. It's good times. But that verse that he says, there's a throwback to it in Captain America Winter Soldier. When he goes to Nick, when Samuel L. Jackson, who everyone thinks is dead, goes to his own gravestone, Nick Fury's gravestone. It says Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, the path of the righteous man. Dot dot dot. And so obviously that's a callback to this, and that's really cool. But I never noticed that before. It's just a fucking great fucking movie, man. Uh, film. This is one of those things where I would be like, yeah, I guess I got to call it a film because it's uh, it's fucking great. It's really good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching it, and in the meantime, we'll take a break. And I'll wrap this up. Something's out there, and it takes me away from a world too small, too small to stay. Something's out there, hey, something's out there, something's out there. That's going to do it for episode 76, 76 episodes in the trash can. <laughs> so, they're all done. Uh, like I said, I, I'm going to have a lot of episodes this week because um, there a lot of shit happened and I feel the need to publicize it via podcast. And then we got Camp Anarchy in a week and a half and I will be there with uh, Press Pass interviewing and taking pictures so follow the instagram if you want to see all your favorite 90s punk bands no effects and rancid and bad religion and offspring and uh so many it's gonna be pretty fucking cool and yeah that's about it keep keep listening this has been a fun month it's been a it's been a good month for me i hope it's been a good month for you and we still got a uh, 10 days left so let's enjoy all 10 of them together Follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at beersand90s. Uh, you can email me beersand90s at gmail.com. That's B-E-E-R-S-A-N-D-9-0-S. Something to think about. Seriously. Shoot me an email, bro. Okay. I will talk to you guys later. Enjoy episode 77. Coming up next. Which will it be? Sympathy or empathy? Which part of the human condition will it be?